Hi, I'm Kim Vu. Welcome to Vietnola, the show about being Vietnamese in New Orleans. Vietnola is our window into our Vietnamese community in New Orleans and a bridge to Vietnam. We're a member of the family of shows on the podcast network, itsneworleans.com. Xin chào quý vị. Đây là bài Vietnola, chương trình pháp hành về cộng đồng Việt Nam ở New Orleans. Vietnola là một cánh cửa để nhìn vào cộng đồng ở New Orleans và một cảnh nối với quê hương. Vietnola là một số trình diễn trong chương trình pháp hành podcast itsneworleans.com. Today on the show, we'll have a conversation with Aaron Joel Santos joining us from Thailand. Aaron is a Hanoi-based American photographer. Born and raised in New Orleans, Aaron went in 2007 to Vietnam on travel plans shortly after finishing photography school. At the time, he was not aware that he had stepped foot in a place that he now calls home and has for seven years. Between the ease of finding work, the exchange rate of the dollar, and the aesthetic of Hanoi, Vietnam offered Aaron an opportunity to pursue photography full-time. In the past seven years, Aaron has supplemented his wedding photography work with a serious portfolio of life and times in Vietnam, which have been displayed in such publications as the New York Times, the International Tribune, the Wall Street Journal, and the Smithsonian Magazine. Aaron, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for agreeing to be on it. Hey, thanks for having me. I want to start off with how you got there. Basically, it sounds like you're kind of traveling through Southeast Asia, and um, somehow you you never left, more or less. Uh, give us the details. What what actually prompted you to decide? Let's postpone our ticket back. Uh, you and your now wife, then girlfriend. What what was the turning point when you realized this is a place I'm gonna stay? Um, okay, yeah, like actually, so <clears throat> so we had gone to we had come to Southeast Asia, I guess maybe like about two years previously, actually right before Hurricane Katrina. Um, that summer, you know, <clears throat> we'd been working in restaurants and bars in New Orleans. And we like saved up some money and we're like, we're gonna go to Southeast Asia. Um, my wife's sister was living in Vietnam at the time, so that, that's like the initial connection. Okay. Um, so anyway, and is she is she Vietnamese American or no? No, no. Um, but her sister, ah, yeah, you know, I don't like how, how do people end up anywhere. But like, yeah, that was our initial connection. Her sister was working at the Vietnam News newspaper. Okay. And yeah, so probably from about two thousand two to two thousand five, like, like roughly. Uh huh. And to clarify uh, for our listeners, Vietnam News is an English language newspaper for expats in Vietnam. Um, anyway, so so we we come to Southeast Asia and then, um, you know, did did the whole like you know Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, Angkor Wat kind of kind of trip. Came back to New Orleans, and it was right around that time. You know, it's funny. My first trip to Southeast Asia, I've got like barely any pictures because I wasn't really, I wasn't a photographer then. And it wasn't until I got back where I was like, oh, like photography school that could be a that could be a cool thing. And then Hurricane Katrina, and then Hurricane Katrina basically like. You know, hit New Orleans. We got kind of all shuffled around. I ended up in photography school. Where? And yeah, it always kind of. And so I was going to photography school in Boston, in New England. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after photography school, you know, I think I had this like, you know, I was studying like Robert Frank and Stephen Shore and Gary Winogrand, all these like great American photographers. And I was talking to one of my teachers and I was like, oh, you know, like I'm going to. 
I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna go like take a road trip across America and take photographs and 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 like, you know, I'm gonna make this amazing like body of work. And he was just like, Ah, oh, you sound like an idiot. Like you're gonna waste all of your money. Like you know how expensive that's gonna be. You're gonna go like take a road trip. You're gonna take terrible photographs because you're like just out of school. You're not like a great photographer. You're gonna take terrible pictures. You're gonna waste all of your money, and then where are you gonna where are you gonna be? I was like, no, like, very nurturing that, um, professor. It sounds he's, like he's, he's, he's a really he's a, he's a good friend these days. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't think anyone would like. Uh, yeah, I don't think he would he would be pegged for like a very like touchy feely award. Exactly. But I appreciate his advice, which was essentially like, you know, you've been to Southeast Asia. Why don't you go back to Southeast Asia? spend a quarter of the money that you'd have spent traveling across the United States and you could actually, you know, spend some time out there and like get to know a culture and take like good photographs eventually. And I was like, oh, look, you, bring up an, <laughs> you bring up an interesting point, Yohav. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of like, that was the impetus for our move. It helped that Caitlin, my wife's sister, was there again over a summer working, like interning, um, like between law school so she basically had an apartment and was like, cool, if you guys are going to come to Southeast Asia, why don't you just set yourself up? You can take over my lease in my Hanoi apartment, and that'll give you like a little base to travel from. And so, yeah, we were like, okay, we'll do that. With the idea of being like, well, you know, we'll, we'll have an apartment in Hanoi, but we'll get to travel around Southeast Asia, and maybe we can find a little work in Hanoi, and that way we can kind of like pay for ourselves to be there. And yeah. And your wife, yes. is she in the arts too, or? She's a, <clears throat> excuse me, just just up and I have a little tickle in my throat. Um, no, she's a, she's a college counselor. She actually works with Vietnamese students that are going to school in the United States. Okay. So she's she's working with like really, you know, like kind of the, the best and brightest of, of Vietnam's youth and she's exporting their education to the U.S. Okay. So it sounds like you, it was pretty easy for y'all to find work there. And talk yeah. about your, you know, your full-time, your transition into being a full-time photographer. So when we first moved to, when I first arrived in Hanoi, you know, um, we had a Vietnam news connection. I got a job there. I got a degree in, in writing and literature. And, you know, my, my wife was in the middle of her PhD program with Hurricane hit for so you know we had the credentials to kind of like um, to work in a newsroom as as like foreign editors for this magazine. So that that was like the first job that I had, and that kind of you know it gave us a visa to Vietnam because you know, it's government run. So that was easy. You know, all, all of a sudden you've got a visa, you got a multi-entry yeah. like year-long visa. And you're like oh wow, like okay that was easy. And the best thing was you could get vacation whenever you wanted. So we would just we would basically like work picking up everyone's shift for two weeks and then for you know like a week or whatever we would go and take travel. a trip somewhere did you get opportunities so was... through your work with vietnam news to travel because I, yeah. I i look at some of your photos and there's a lot of them on your website and there's a lot of them in rural areas and areas that seem to me pictures that seem pretty intimate and possibly kind of difficult to come by as just kind of a casual traveler who is noticeably not from Asia. Yeah. I mean, I would say never underestimate like the power of just being like very curious and kind of sticking your nose where it doesn't belong. Um, whenever, <laughs> like whenever I'm traveling, that's definitely kind of like, you know, I'll definitely play like the idiot tourist card and kind of, 
yeah, I mean, sometimes it works out wonderfully. I've, 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 I mean, I've, maybe I've been really lucky, but I've, I've kind of noticed that, um, you, you, you tend to be welcomed like almost everywhere, you know, even, even in places that you don't really think that you, you, you would have been like, you know, that you should be, or that you should be like snooping around. How is your um, Vietnamese? Uh, yeah, it's okay. It's it's. I, I'm studying Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been here a long time. It should be a lot better for the amount of time that I've been here. But you know, I'm quite busy. I travel a lot, and so it's really hard for me to actually take classes. Mm-hmm. So I have a private tutor. Uh huh. Um, but you, and, I mean, you, know, you just kind of. It looks like you just wander in the countryside, and you're pretty much gesturing or talking yeah. to people or or something to get. Yeah, like I mean. I, I'm being a little modest. I mean, I can, I can definitely speak Vietnamese and I can get around like on my own and I can travel on my own and I can, and I can talk to people. Yeah. Like for sure. I can't have like really deep, meaningful conversations with people, but I can, you know, I can answer the, like, how old are you? How many kids do you have? Are you married? Why, why don't you have kids? Uh, well, you, know, well, you, you like certainly, Vietnamese? you certainly make up for it with your photography. I mean, I think you're being modest as far as uh, your inability to c- convey something deep i'm looking in particular at your portfolio called ngo photography can you describe to our listeners what that is about um yeah i mean like i do a lot of work with you know well you know i wouldn't say actually actually i don't do a lot of work with ngos but i do some and and i mean like yeah i've titled the 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 portfolio that i think because um it's more indicative of like the kind of photography that's happening. I work with a few NGOs out here, um, or, you know, and but also I end up in a lot of you know, yeah, like rural areas that are just kind of uh, uh, what's the word? Like, yeah, I guess that would be like your 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 kind of stereotypical like NGO work, you know, you know, poor rural countryside. You know, I've, I've done some, uh, you know, like yeah, comp- or organizations that are helping you know, less fortunate, you know, like I, I worked with an organization that was like, you know, bringing prosthetics and doing like surgeries to, to amputees and people that had lost limbs. And yeah, like, that's the one I'm certain... referring to. Yeah. So I worked with a, an organization, the prosthetics outreach foundation, which is um, based in the U S but they do a lot of work in Vietnam, you know, like went around with them to a few different provinces in Northern Vietnam, kind of around Sun La and Dien Bien Phu. Um, <laughs> And yeah, like, I mean, just, just like stories, you know, these kids that are like brought to the brick factories at like eight years old to work in a brick factory. And sure enough, like they're just young kids and they don't know that. I mean, A, they haven't been taught any safety regulations. B, they're, they're too young to even really understand like how dangerous it is. And yeah, I think I meant almost like 75% of the people that we were talking to, it wasn't like, you know, they weren't born from birth with these, with these like missing limbs. They had lost them in, in these like they had lost them at young ages working in these like highly dangerous, highly dangerous industrial, like uh, jobs, like a brick making factory, which that's is what, apparently really. That's what I found particularly interesting about your work is that I think a lot of the photography that has come out of Vietnam has focused heavily on post-war consequences of Vietnam yeah. life. And your photography is very contemporary and still depicts a lot of you know, the, the pain and suffering and, and beauty of life in Vietnam now. And, and so I thought it's interesting that the people with prosthetics that you're um, taking pictures of were young and there was a lot of children and stuff like that. Um, and I, yeah. also, I also found it interesting the 
the the clips or the foot the portfolio section that you did um, around the bridge can you talk a little bit about yeah. that yeah it's i mean uh, so so you're familiar with longbian bridge in hanoi you know, it's this absolutely gorgeous you know span over the red river that was built uh, like at the at the you know at the start of 20th century so 1903, 1904, that it was like finished being constructed. And I think it was designed by Gustav Eiffel, which is like the Eiffel Tower. Oh, really? Eiffel Tower. Like, I think, so, yeah, now I'm like questioning my, my history, which <laughs> should, should always be questioned. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like designed or, or something by Gustav Eiffel. Um, anyway, it's gorgeous. And like during the American Vietnam War, you know, I think it was bombed pretty heavily. So, even these days, you know, there's there's like the first, excuse me, um, the first um, span of, um, you know, Hanoi side, so it goes to like Zalam or Long Bien districts on the other side of the river. And the first little area of it from Hanoi, you know, it's got the nice ornate, like wrought iron, uh, you know, decorations all over it. Then it gets to the second half, like once you actually get to the river, you know, so for the second half of the bridge, it's just completely bombed and rebuilt and it's like a flat just like expanse it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting you know, it's like visual mm -hmm. and but even more than the bridge itself you know like underneath it hanoi's so i mean i like i, I love hanoi but it's this weird quirky strange like place such that like i mean it's this huge metropolis i mean it, it's a bit like people just took a bunch of villages and like shoved them into a jar and like shook it up like that's an endearing thing for me yeah i think um, a lot of people don't realize though it is you know one of the you know, two sophisticated cultured cities of vietnam it is incredibly close to the rural parts of the country very much so and yeah and hanoi more than I mean, you know, like the more I travel in Southeast Asia, the more I realize like how unique of a place Hanoi actually is. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes you forget the beauty of the place that you've been in for, for you know, however many years. But mm -hmm. uh, like whenever I go back to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like, this place is weird. Like in a great, like I, I mean that, <laughs> like I mean that in a very positive way. Like, yeah, it's, it's unlike anywhere else in the world. And this is coming from um, a guy who grew up in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um so so anyway, like beneath beneath Long Bean Bridge, you know, so there's this like little island, like it's called Middle Warp, um, or maybe like Baiza, maybe is the like the Vietnamese word for it. Mm -hmm. um, Baiza would be would that mean like Middle Shore or something maybe? Or, That's about right. Anyway, mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, like pardon my pronunciation of it, but yeah, like. So, so that's the name of it, but it's essentially this little island, and there's this little farming community down there, and it's this, like, small, like, idyllic little, like, play, you know, like, corn, bananas, soybeans, peanuts. All these farmers are living down there in, like, houseboats. I mean, they're really poor, and, you know, I've talked to a few of them, and, and they've, some of them have, like, quite sad stories um, of how they ended up, like, down in this area. Mm -hmm. But that being said, there seems to be, like, this really, um, like, a... a a sense of community that's been fostered down there and it's 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 literally like a 10 minute walk from like the old quarter of Hanoi where it's just motorbikes and cars and you know people everywhere and it's just this like you know, noisy cacophonous um place and you walk 10 minutes get to long Bien bridge and start walking over it and by the time you get to the middle of the bridge where you can go down to this island you know all the noise of the city's kind of dissipated and, and you're just 
yet. You know, you're in this like, beautiful, peaceful place. It's interesting. It's interesting because I lived in Hanoi quite a while ago, maybe uh, ten, almost fifteen years ago. Yeah, fifteen years ago, exactly. And I'm new to New Orleans, and the way you describe the proximity of the city next to rural country actually is how I often describe New Orleans. Do you think there? Do you feel there are similarities between New Orleans and Hanoi? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, well, yeah, actually quite a lot. You know, like, um, uh, I think I'm, I always told, you know, you always get that, uh, you know, like it's definitely one of the things that everyone's always asking, like, Oh, how do you deal with the weather? It's so, it's so hot there. It's so like, Oh, Southeast Asia. I was like, well, it, like Hanoi is quite, quite North and we have like a bit of a winter in, yeah. in Hanoi, but also it's like the temperature. And I think like a bit of geography is very similar in New Orleans, you know, like a, Hanoi's super humid, like 120% humidity every day. Like, I mean, it's basically like walking in clouds. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's flanked by a big river. So you have the Red River, you know, what the Red River is to the Mississippi River would be like what Westlake is to Lake Pontchartrain. Mm-hmm. Lake Pontchartrain, way bigger than Westlake. So my, my, my analogy falls apart a little bit there. But, but yeah, like Hanoi, it's basically this, it's, you know, it's a, it's an old capital. It's got French influence. Mm-hmm. Um, huge Vietnamese community mm-hmm. and yeah it's flanked by like a, a river and a big and, a, and not just one but several big lakes uh which yeah like reminds me a lot of New Orleans uh, both geographically a bit of history there um maybe that's you know, why it's the, so easy for you to stay there huh kind of yeah I mean like definitely for sure that's part of it um you know it appeals to my sense of adventure but also my sense of actually being in a city, you know, mm-hmm. I know it's, it's a great mix of like, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's rural and urban, which is like a really unique thing, you know, more and more so. I, I definitely agree. And it's, it's funny the way uh, I'm able to feel comfortable here is because of a lot of those things that you describe, I think. Um, in a bit, I want to hear more about your work with film. But first, I'd like to go okay. to our segment, Vietiquette, where we explore the quirks and the charm of culture and etiquette, both here in Vietnamese New Orleans and in Vietnam. I asked you before the show uh, something you thought was interesting or funny or quirky to you, and you brought up um, Vietnamese weddings. Uh, and, and I love your photos, your, even your wedding photography. I felt like I had a lot to learn from it. And how contemporary Vietnamese weddings are very different from what I saw when I lived there 15 years ago. And also what I see here uh, amongst the Vietnamese American community. I mean, it sounds like more and more so in Vietnamese weddings in Vietnam, you will see the white dress. Yeah, I think actual wedding. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, for the actual like wedding well, I mean, hey, yeah, like some Vietnamese weddings are, are spread over like a few days and they're not even like a few days next to each other. I mean, I just photographed like the Anhoi of, of, of a couple in Saigon who are going to get married like next January. But for some <laughs> reason, I just felt like, right. you know, like <laughs> it's like a really drawn out engagement party. Yeah, kind of. And, and like, yeah, exactly. Um, I've got, yeah, I've got, I've got other thoughts about maybe why they were getting so quickly married I, I, i'm kind of wondering if she was pregnant but yeah like anyway, but anyway yeah um, that never happens in vietnam right aaron that never yeah, no, no, absolutely not. all the 
girls are just waiting for waiting for their you know their first true love, um, <laughs> like like everywhere else in the world. Yeah. Um, uh, I also thought it was funny oh, how you brought up that you are kind of a status symbol as a white photographer. <laughs> Definitely, um, I, it's 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 absolutely true. So to, so to go back, like I mean the. Yeah, okay, yeah. So a lot a lot of Vietnamese brides are wearing the white, right? But but then you'll have these engagement shoots where or even if you walk down like like Hengai, Hengbom in the old quarter, there are all these like wedding dress shops where in the in the store windows there are the just like the the gaudiest, loudest, brightest like prom dresses that these girls <laughs> are they're they're getting you know, they're getting the dress and they're going like all around Hunter. They're going to the Sofitel Metropole, like the the really, you know, the the, the top end hotel downtown, you know. They're going to like flower fields and taking all these like, you know, yeah, like what what I think in America we would call like really cheesy, fun, you know, like you could see some like New Orleans hipsters like going and like ironically <laughs> taking these photos, but there's like li- there's there's literally not a drop of irony happening, you know, like these girls are just like they're like no I want to I want to wear like a, a turquoise dress and I want to go to this flower field and I want to look beautiful. Is there and, and, no more is there no more uh, wearing of red owls like the traditional wedding used to? Yeah, be? so usually usually I'll find like the owls um but like not not usually at the ceremony or or hmm. or it's 50 50. Like almost always for the engagement shoots you'll have I mean like yeah, most of these girls are wearing like three or four outfits over the course of like the day that they're doing their pre-wedding photos mm-hmm. um because also you'll find that like vietnamese want to pay way more money for their pre-wedding photos and the wedding days almost like don't even they don't care oh, interesting. because they want to have the photos from their pre-wedding to make huge prints of to show at their wedding so it's like that's where they're going to look the most beautiful and vietnamese weddings i mean like yeah like i mean not to be like insensitive but they, they can be pretty boring and i say this because like i, I I see like the brides and grooms are like, they look bored. Like they look like it's such a chore. You know, it's just, it's all these family. And they, I don't know if it's just like, Vietnamese. I think weddings are kind of boring. No? I've been to some like amazingly fun weddings. So uh, like. I think you, you make a good point pretty, that Vietnamese weddings are really long and they're and multiple days are involved. Yeah. And you know, they're just, they're, they're, they're uh, like, I don't know, like tradition definitely seems like, like, how could this be traditional? But like, you know, like these bridesrooms, they're meant to like, they can't move from this, like under this little archway of flowers where every single person that's come to the wedding is going to come and like take their photo with them. Mm-hmm. And there can be like hundreds of people at a Vietnamese wedding because it's just like, they'll invite their whole office. They'll invite like everybody I know, you mm-hmm. know, like, I mean, you'll have a, like a small Vietnamese wedding will be 400 people. <laughs> um, we photographed of like, me and two other photographers and three video guys. This is, I mean, definitely kind of, wow. you know, yeah, we were, we, you That's know, we had been hired as much, as much for our talent as for our skin color and like, just to kind of like show us, <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we were like little pretty peacock to walk around the wedding. Day. You're like eye candy. Yeah. You're like Caucasian eye candy or something. Exactly. So that was like fifteen hundred people, and I was like, I, was, I don't even know if I could gather fifteen hundred people that I could like name much. It's <laughs> like want to be at my wedding. Um, yeah, it's like it'd be a chore. Speaking but it's, of it's film, yeah, like, are you doing? Is it when you say you're going to work more with film? Is it wedding related film, or is it uh, maybe um, more artistic uh, film? Oh yeah, so like but in like video, I'm like. Like I shoot a lot of uh, film photography, 
Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm t- like, yeah, you know, a lot of my commercial work ends up being digital. You know, you have to really quick turn around to get these pictures out to magazines. Um, but I do a lot of personal work out here and do a lot of fashion photography as well um, for some great clients, uh, like in the UK and the US. And I've been experimenting more with like, so like, I'm, yeah, like film photography. So like, you know, large format, uh, Polaroids, you know, 120 black and white color, that kind of stuff. So not actual video film. Oh, okay. Um, I've, got enough, I've got enough on my plate, like actually hearing photography out. I haven't figured out video yet. Okay. I'm scared to die. Well, yeah, <laughs> fear is healthy. Fear is healthy. Uh, do you have yeah, any? Sure. Do you have any of your uh, works that you want to share with our listeners? Maybe websites where they can see your work, or yeah, so people can see my work at AaronJoelSantos.com. That's A-A-R-O-N-J-O-E-L-S-A-N-T-O-S. Um, that's my main portfolio site. It's you know, I send to editors. It's how I my work, and so pretty wide from travel stuff to my documentary stuff uh on that on that website and i think that's probably the best place to go. and from there there's i think the, the, there's a link to my blog with update regularly uh, yeah great and is that a what's the blog address um aaron joelsantos.wordpress.com great so it's a wordpress blog yeah okay thank you so uh, much oh, for oh, sharing yeah. oh, go ahead also, go ahead I was just going to say, ultimately, they could just, you know, type my name into Google. I'm, I'm probably going to come up, like, you know, a bunch of times. Okay, great. Thanks thanks again for coming on the show. That It's been great talking to you and getting to know the stories behind your photographs. Of course, yeah. my, my, my pleasure. It was really, really, really nice. That's Fionnol for today. Thank you so much for joining us at home, at work, on your phone, wherever you are, and whatever you're doing. And a special thanks to today's guest, Aaron Joel Santos. Our show is produced by Kim Vu, Tom Lasher, and Grant Morris. Our technical director is Chris Kehoe. Our theme song was composed by Taylor Smith and performed by the Swamp Lilies. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sounding products, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Air Studio monitors, and much more. Visit www.presonus.com for more information. You can follow us on Twitter at It's New Orleans. You can like us on Facebook, we're at It's New Orleans. And you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to our other Vietnola shows on our website, itsneworleans.com, as well as our other shows, Happy Hour, Out to Lunch, Mindset, True to the Game, and Midnight Menu Plus One. Keep up with all kinds of fun happenings here at Vietnola by getting on our mailing list. Sign up on our website, itsneworleans.com. Vietnola was recorded today in the lovely city of New Orleans. If you'd like to be a guest on Vietnola, we'd love to have you. Drop us a line. You'll find all the information you need on our website. Vietnola is produced by INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For everyone here at Vietnola, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you back here next week for our next episode of Vietnola. Until then, I'm King Vu. Bye-bye. You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer, now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. 
Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii. U.S. only. 